0: All right got a question for you to start out tonight. I want you to think of think of all the difficult situations and decisions and temptations that teenagers can find themselves in so it could be just a difficult decision doesn't have to be necessarily a um, a right and wrong or a moral, sinful or not sinful kind of decision, just decisions that teenagers face, but also think about tough situations that teenagers are put into, temptations, right and wrong kind of opportunities to either say yes or to say no. And tell me what some of those are. What are some of your thoughts? What are are some of those in either of those categories?
1: Andrew? The Internet.
0: The Internet. What about it? Whether to choose to go onto some sites on the Internet, absolutely. Absolutely. Not just teenagers face that temptation, but adults and younger people, and that's just a wide open area out there. Um, what's wise to look at, what's not wise to look at, what's right to look at, what's not right to look at. Exactly. That's a good one. What else? Erin. Like Making a college decision. Some of you are facing that now. Some of you are going to face that soon. All of you are going to face that pretty soon. College, job. Trade school, um, decisions like that, big decisions. What else? Peer pressure. Peer pressure. Give me an example. Like all your friends are, all your friends are doing something they shouldn't do it. So they you're like, oh, come on, it won't do one. Okay, all right, yep. Something like smoking. You could add to that probably drinking. You could add to that drugs. You could add to that whatever. And there's pressure from other people saying, do this. And you're saying, I don't know if I should do that or not. Should I do that? Should I not do that? And you're faced with a decision to make. Good. What else? Yeah. Got it, Aaron. Friends. What, what about friends? You're to Who are you going to choose to spend your time with? Who are you going to choose to hang out with? Is that person an okay influence for me to be around, or should I, um, should I not choose to spend a lot of time with that person? Yeah, good one. Mitchell. Mitchell. Um, whether you're
1: like going to
0: choose to um, continue in the religion that your parents are. Excellent. The Excellent. Okay. You grow up by e- either in some form of religion or, or not for, for some. Okay. But you grow up with some set of values or religion in your family. And are you going to continue in that? Is that just your parents' religion? Or are you going to stay a part of that? Absolutely. That's a decision that people face. What else? These are good ones. What else you got? use your hard. Lots going on. The they're fun and exciting too, but they're hard. What? Your priorities. Your priorities. Like, give me some examples. Like, am, am I putting my... Like, Do I want to spend more time on the computer for myself? Do I want to spend more time doing my work? Excellent. <laughs> teenagers seem to be speci- uh, um especially uh. What am I trying to, say? I'm trying to say? There's a lot of things teenagers can do with their time. There's all kinds of things. There's activities you can be involved in. There's school you can, can be involved in. There's, there's stuff at church. There's friends. There's um, games. There's toys. There's all kinds of stuff to spend your time with and how to figure out your priorities, how to know, well, do I do this or do I do that? Do I do this or do that? You only have a limited amount of time and millions of things you can do with your time. So priorities, yeah, absolutely. What else? Making decisions on your own? And like discussing with your parents. Uh huh. There's more negotiation. <laughs> more like, yeah, Yeah, more like, things. When you're little, it's just like you get told what to do. Right. like when you're older, like you're driving around, you can really do whatever you want to do. You do and Well, your like, face, absolutely. But then you get like. Or you get well I recommend it's like yeah. <laughs> it's kind of like well <laughs> you. yeah <laughs> <laughs> or, like I'm not going to punish you but this just going to give you dirty looks all yeah. night that one <laughs> <laughs> instead <of> like do it or I'll punish you in a non-punishment man you got guys must have mean parents yeah. man oh man yeah but there's like a lot of things like you have to yeah, you've got to figure out stuff for yourself different than when you're five and seven and nine. Okay? Two? Absolutely. What I, what I want to think about tonight is this. All of these decisions are coming at you in the teenage years and more. You're not saying all of them. I'm sure there's other ones you're thinking of. Um, they come at you all the time and every day. And there's there's a way to approach it that, that I think um, will will hurt you if you approach it like this. Having a a two-kind-of-worlds mentality, and what I mean by that is this. One world says, well, th- there's spiritual things, and there's things that God's interested in, like church, and whether I read my Bible, and whether I pray, uh, and things like that. And Those things are kind of God things. And then the things over here, should I take this job? Should I have those friends? Should I say yes to this internet site, should I choose to smoke or drink or whatever. And you can kinda of think of those as well, well those are like kind of separate from God things. And what what I want to talk about tonight is the fact that I think the way God would have us view things is everything is a God thing. Every decision you'll make throughout your teenage years. Every right and wrong choice you'll make, every wisdom choice you'll make, what you choose to do with your time, what you choose to do with your money, what you choose to do with every part of you, your priorities, they're all a God thing. God is extremely interested in all of your life. So don't, don't allow yourself to kind of categorize, well, this is God stuff over here, and this is everything else in my life. God is supremely interested in what you do with all of your time, what you do with all of your decisions. And I don't mean that from the perspective that God's kind of sitting up there um, with an angry look on his face, just seeing if you're going to make any wrong moves or wrong decisions. What God is interested in is informing your life in such a way that, that, that your life is, um, is filled with who he is. And that's going to bring you more joy than you could ever imagine if you try to keep God in a box over here and then leave the rest of your life for you. God wants to, to infuse your life and, and be involved in your life in such a way that everything you do and everything you think and all the decisions that you make are, are God-oriented decisions and, and wisdom choices and convictions in such a way that your life is filled with who He is. And so he's not kind of kept over in a corner in a box. What we're going to talk about tonight are convictions and wisdom. I gave you a little handout that's got two sections, convictions and wisdom. You don't even need to necessarily look at that right now. There's just some bullet points on there that I wanted you to have for a little bit. What we're going to be talking about tonight is developing a heart of conviction and developing wisdom in our lives. And before I even go any farther, I want to tell you that really what I'm talking about tonight cannot be accomplished tonight. You cannot become a person of conviction tonight. You cannot become a person of wisdom tonight. Both of those things are lifelong things. Those are things that take months, years, a lifetime to develop wisdom and to develop godly conviction. So I'm not hoping that by the end of tonight, you're going to have it. What I'm hoping tonight to do is inspire you on a lifelong process of saying, I want to be someone who has God-oriented convictions in my life, and I want to be someone who pursues God's wisdom in my life from this point forward. And that's kind of what we're going to be talking about right now. The reason we're talking about it in the teenage years is because right now, as you guys just talked about, something's happening in your life. You are facing more decisions than you've ever faced before. When you're two, you don't have a whole lot of decisions. It's like, well, do you watch Barney or do you watch The Donut Man? Okay? It's, it's do you do this or do you get a spanking? Those are kind of the decisions you make. Are you going to eat your applesauce or are you not? Those are the decisions you're making. And then at five you got your set of decisions and at seven you have... But, but at your age, what's happening is world, the world is starting to open up a little bit. You spend a little bit more time away from your parents, whether you go to public school or whether you're homeschooled, home school or whether you go to a Christian school. You spend a little bit more time... And you have a little bit more freedom. And if you're 13 here tonight, that's probably different from the 17-year-olds who are here tonight. And the 17-year-olds tonight, it's going to be different when you're 20. And so what's happening is the world begins to open up a little bit. There's a little bit less parental control. And there's a little bit more opportunity for temptation and for sin. But on the flip side of that, there's real opportunity in the teenage years to bring glory to God by the choices you make and by the things you choose to do with your time and who you are. And you have an opportunity of a lifetime to, as these things come at you, to really stand firm and to glorify God with your lives. And that's what we're going to talk about tonight. for you to be able to do that, for you to be able to bring glory to God and for you to be able to receive the joy that God wants you to have in your life, you need to know about two things we're going to talk about tonight. Convictions and wisdom. Why? How are they different? How are they the same things? What are they? Let me give you one example in the area of conviction. Pretend you are staying at a friend's house overnight. You have certain things that you know you would not do in your own house, okay? You know your parents would not approve. You know that Somehow, in your heart, you know that's just not the right thing to do, it's the wrong thing to do, and you have that kind of thing working in you. You go to a friend's house, though, and all of a sudden the friend's parents go out for the evening, and there's freedom there that you weren't expecting for the night. And all of a sudden, your friend or friends who are there, they pull something out that maybe you wouldn't do at home, maybe it's a movie, and they pop it in and begin to watch it, and you know, after watching a few minutes, oh, this is not something that I would be allowed to do at my house. This is not something I would maybe even have choose to do on my own, but there it is, it's in front of me. Or, as Andrew said, I think it was Andrew said, mentioned the internet, sitting there at the computer, they click on some sites, you're seeing some things, you're like, whoa, wait a minute, this is not what I had planned, this is not what we would say are okay at our house. Or, as other temptations you talked about, alcohol comes out, smoking comes out, drugs come out. Things come out and they're put on the table before you. The question is, what's going to drive you in the decision that you make at that moment? What's going to drive you? I'm convinced that if the only thing that's going to drive you is, uh uh-oh, if my parents find out, I'm going to be in trouble. If that's the only thing that drives you, that's not going to keep you very long. That's not going to help you very long. There has to be something working on the inside of you. There has to be some kind of internal sense of right and wrong. And where is that going to come from? Where is that going to come from? It's what, what I think would be called conviction. Biblical conviction, that's the first category we're going to talk about. What biblical conviction is, is when something involves a clear command of Scripture. When the Bible speaks very clearly, very straightforwardly to it. Some examples of things the Bible says are, Honor your father and mother. It doesn't say, in some situations, honor your father and mother. It doesn't say, if you feel like it, honor your father and mother. The Bible says, honor your father and mother. Clear command. The Bible also says, do not steal. The Bible doesn't say, well... Unless you really, really want something, do not steal. It doesn't say, do not steal anything over ten bucks, but other, other than that, it's okay. It says, do not steal. So it's, it's a clear issue. Also, it says, do not commit adultery, do not commit fornication. So there are things in the Bible that's very clear that the Bible says yes or no. Those things are what I would call conviction issues. So the question is the question isn't do I stop and pray and say, is this okay for me to do or not? The question is, well does God speak to it? And if God speaks to it, am I willing to follow what God says? So I'm not talking about preferences that, that change. I'm not talking about things that change with your personal desires or with your emotions. I'm talking about understanding what it is that God has to say about something, if God says something clear about something, am I willing to have a heart that says, that's what I want. I want to follow what God says no matter what doesn't matter if I have to look at my friend in the eye and say, I can't watch that, I can't do that, I'm not going to participate in that. doesn't matter if they call you stupid or dumb or turn against you or laugh at you. None of that matters if you have a heart that says, you know what, it doesn't matter. I know what God says and I have a desire to follow what God says and I'm going for God's ways no matter what. In my, in my opinion, our world is starved for young people like that starved for young people like that. It's, it's hungry to see young people like yourselves who will say, you know what, if people laugh at me, if people mock me, if people uh, exclude me, if they won't be friends with me, I don't care. I'm going to follow God's ways no matter what. It's by God's grace, I'm going I'm to um, listen to what he says and I'm going to put it into practice. I think it's, it's really what Jesus was talking about in the book of Luke, where he says, um, "If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself, let him take up his cross, and let him follow me. For whoever would save his life, and th- whoever would save his life will lose it. Whoever loses his life for my sake will gain it." He also says, "What is the profit of a man if he gains everything, gains the whole world, and yet forfeits or loses his soul?" And so Jesus' question for us is. Let's say you could have all of that. Let's say you could have your friends' popularity. Let's say you could be liked by everyone at school. Let's say that you could, um, everyone would laugh at your jokes, and let's say that everyone would think you are like top-notch, you're you're, like the best person to be friends with. Or let's say you could have all of that. Have all the stuff you wanted. But if you forfeit your soul, what good is that, Jesus says. I don't know if you remember. Uh, just I can't remember. Maybe two weeks ago or so, when I when I gave you the story at church on Sunday morning about Peter. And this this is not something that's found in the Bible, but church history tells us that that Peter um, followed Christ after Christ's death. He followed Christ radically. He was willing to preach the gospel even though everyone kept telling him stop talking about the name of Jesus stop preaching about Jesus Christ and eventually both his wife and himself were put to death because of that and before his wife was put to death he said to her remember the Lord and then when it came his turn to, to, to die they were going to crucify him on a cross just like they did Jesus he said I'm not even worthy to die like Jesus died turn me upside down and crucify me like that so convinced was he that following Christ was more worthy than the popularity, than people's approval, than anything else? That he was worthy to go to the death for that. That's what biblical conviction is. Biblical conviction doesn't say, "Well, hmm, I know it's it's right not to deny Christ, but I don't really want to die. It looks painful. It doesn't look like something I want to enjoy." And you know what? Other people are laughing at me. They're mocking me. So I'm going to change what I do, and I'm going to change. What I say. Biblical conviction says it doesn't matter what people say, what people think, what happens to me. Ultimately, what matters is am I convinced that I want to follow God. On your sheet of paper there, you have six things that help us define what biblical conviction is. One is this. Biblical convictions are, number one, based on Scripture. So they're not just things you make up. They're not things that you think maybe God has an opinion about. They're things you find in the Bible. And God has lots of stuff he speaks very clearly to in the Bible. But to have biblical convictions, first you have to know what it is that God says. You have to know something about this book. And that's why I said you can't get convictions tonight. It's a lifelong process of understanding God, reading his word, um, participating in things like this where you're learning more about what does God say. And then it's not just knowing in your brain what he says, but it's a commitment that says, by God's grace, I want to do that particular thing I read this morning in my Bible. I'm going to follow. So it's, a, it's knowledge, but it's, but it's a heart decision also to say, I want to, I want to follow. I want to obey. And that's, that's number one in on biblical convictions. Biblical convictions, secondly, are predetermined. What do I mean by that? I mean, in the heat of temptation is not the time to de- decide what your biblical convictions are. Your biblical convictions need to be made well before you get uh, offered the thing that you're being offered, before that temptation comes on your radar screen, before your friend says, Would you like to do this? Join me in shoplifting while we're at the store. That's not the time to decide, huh? I wonder what God thinks about that. The time to think about that is well before and have those convictions in your heart and in your mind so that when you get faced with a temptation, you already know what you're going to do and, and you do it. Biblical convictions don't change with the circumstances, they're not responsive to pressure, they're not changing like the winds of public opinion, they are not, they don't change with circumstances. Number four, they're inflexible, they're non-negotiable, you don't trade them away like you do, uh, like you're negotiating something, well, I'll do this if you do that. No, biblical conviction just says, no, this is what God says, and this is what I'm desiring to do. Number five, they're bold are bold. Biblical convictions are bold. And what I mean by that is there's, there's a confidence that can be instilled in your heart that says, well, I'm doing this because I know it's right. I know God is calling me to this because it's clear in his word and so therefore I can be bold in the face of pressure. And then fifthly, or sixthly, lastly, biblical convictions are lived out. In other words, you can't have biblical convictions that are just kind of in your mind and in your heart, but you're not doing them in your life. For there to be a a, a true conviction, it can't just be internal, it has to be expressed, it has to be being lived out in your life some way. If you go through the teenage years and on to the young adult years in your life without some sense of biblical convictions in your life, I think it's going to be like... um, a passenger in an auto accident with no seatbelt and no airbags, you're just, there's no restraint. There's nothing to keep you safe. There's nothing to, to hold on to you. There's nothing to, to watch over you. It's, just, it's like you're free-flowing through life, and, and temptation's going to get you. It's going to get you. I think if you, look, if you looked at the statistics about um, kids that grow, grow up in church, or in so-called Christian homes, what happens to them in their college years, what happens to them in their young adult years, the, the, the statistics that are out there are not all that great. They're not all that promising. You, you know the reason for that is because too many kids growing up in Christian homes and churches are saying, well, I'm, the reason they don't do things when they're at home and whether they're under the watchful eye of their parents is because they don't want to get in trouble. Because... They don't want the hassle of getting grounded or getting caught or getting in trouble. And, and that's not what God's all about. God's about doing something on the inside of you so that it doesn't matter who's watching. You're still. You're, you're following God and you're going His way. And so that when temptations come, there's a rock-solid sense in you that says, no, it doesn't matter if my parents are here to see it. It doesn't matter if my parents would ever find out. What matters is God is here. God is present and God desires to bring glory to himself through how I respond to this situation. Let's flip over and talk about the second part for a minute. second last thing we'll talk about tonight, and that's wisdom. Wisdom is a little bit different than biblical convictions. As important as biblical convictions are, that's not everything you need to navigate the teenage years and the young adult years and the rest of your life. You need something else that the Bible speaks a whole lot about, which is wisdom. Some of the illustrations you gave when I said, what are some of the things you faced? Some were clear right and wrong issues. But some were questions like, where do I go to college? Should I play a sport? Should I not? Should I take this job that's being offered to me? Uh, Should I stay up late or should I go to bed? What should I do with my time right now? Um, Who should I marry eventually? Should I buy this? $200 iPod, or should I not? What should I do with my money? All those are are questions that you're going to be faced with all the time. And the good news about it, I hope it's good news to you, is that God has wisdom for you. You You can't go to the Bible and say, you know, I'm trying to figure out which college to go to, You can't open this up and say, uh, okay, it says, Tory should go to Pitt. How about that? It says it right here in the Bible. It it, it doesn't work like that, okay? And so you're faced with decisions that you can't open up your Bible and know the answer to. Am I right? (laughs) Okay, good. Got that one right. It doesn't say in here who you're supposed to marry. If you're supposed to marry you thought it did? <laughs> I know, I thought about that. And I said, nah, I'm going to stay far away from that one. <laughs> it doesn't say, no, it doesn't tell you who you should marry. You can't kind of hope, well, let's see. My name is Joshua. I know there's some Joshua's in the Bible, so maybe if I open up to, oh, look, Joshua, and find who you're supposed to marry. That's not going to work. It's not going to work if you got offered a job at Dairy Queen or at Pizza Hut and say, huh let's see where am I Dairy Queen Dairy Queen let me look in the concordance for Dairy Queen it's not in there you're not going to find that in the Bible and that's why I think a lot of people say well God's not interested in that part of my life God doesn't speak to that oh God is very interested in that part of your life he has much to say about who you marry where you go to college if you go to college what job you take what you do with your time he has all kinds of things to say and these are not necessarily always right and wrong issues but they're what the Bible calls wisdom issues Now, let me just backtrack for one second. That doesn't mean that there are no right and wrong issues in that. Like, for example, the Bible says a Christian should not marry a non-Christian. Unbeliever, don't be unequally yoked, the Bible says. Okay, there's clear guidance there. But okay, if you're a Christian, there's a whole lot of Christians out there. So which one are you supposed to marry? Which job are you supposed to take? Yeah, there's some right and wrong issues about jobs. There'd be some jobs where they're going to ask you to lie, cheat, steal, etc. You would know clearly, okay, that one's not the one. But there's some other ones that look... The same on paper, and they look the same. So what do I do, God? What do I do with those things? If you treat all of those things like they are just the same as convictions, like you're looking for God's one right answer, you're going to be you're going to be frustrated because you're not going to find it. And then you're going to either tend towards one of two extremes. One extreme is is legalism, where you're like trying to apply God's truth in an area that it doesn't quite fit, or you're going to just kind of be like, well, it doesn't matter. God doesn't care. I can do whatever I want. And that's, that's foolishness according to the Bible. God has a different plan. He wants to bring His wisdom into the situation. Let me give you an example and see if you can help me come up with some of the things the Bible might have to say that would bring wisdom to a situation. Um, you get hired. You are told what your job is going to entail. These are the things you're going to do. These are the five things you're... Re- you're responsible to do. Here's your job. You're doing it, and a few weeks into it, your boss asks you to do something different, something that's not part of your job responsibility to do. He asks you to do something completely different, and actually, it's a little bit on the dangerous side. You're not so sure it's a good idea, should you do it or not. It's kind of dangerous. You're not so sure your parents would want you doing that. It's not really why you were hired, but your boss is saying do it, and you kind of said, well, I'm not sure I should do that. And he gave you the look and the tone of the voice and the talking like, you better do it or you might not have a job. The question becomes, what do you do? So I'm not even asking you to answer that question, what do you do? But what I'm asking you is this. Think about your knowledge of what you know Scripture talks about, okay? A little kind of Scripture knowledge kind of test right now. What are some principles in Scripture that can inform that decision. You're not going to find, should you do what your boss said and it's kind of dangerous and isn't on your job description, exactly written in Scripture, but God has lots to say about what you maybe should do or how you should frame the thinking of this decision. What are some of the things that you can think of? Okay, the Bible does say honor your father and mother. So you can kind of put that in the category of, okay, that's one thing I know. The Bible says honor your father and mother. So therefore, what's one thing maybe you could do to make a step towards making that decision, Mitchell, or somebody else? Knowing that God says that. Josh? Ask your parents about it. You could. You could there at the job. You could grab your phone. You could call home. You could say, Mom and Dad, this is what's going on. I don't really know what to do. What should I do? Okay, so that's, that's a good way to apply the principle there about honoring your father and mother by involving them in the decision. That's, that's one principle you could put into operation. What other scriptural principles do you know to be true that would help you just to think about this from a God perspective? Is so there anything else? Well, like, with action, it's like it's sinful. I'm talking about something that's not sinful. It's just something different and possibly dangerous you're not sure if it's a good idea to do and like you might get hurt or you might die he <laughs> <laughs> yeah. asked you to clean the ice cream machine that's this big and you might get sucked into it well, it's running. and be turned into ice cream mm-hmm. I don't know I'm just while well, it's running yes no a dangerous situation maybe maybe it's I don't know maybe it's Climbing trees to get this thing and you might fall out Go ahead. Yeah, you got an example? I uh-huh. in a movie theater. One was those old movie theater built in like the 1940s, so it held like 500 people. I mean, uh-huh. 600 people. It was really big. And the light bulbs were, you know, hmm. way, way high, high. We had no light. Well. In the reach, reaching. there was light bulb out. So the man said, go up, you'll find a crawl space at the top, to go change the light bulb." In my eye, well, how do you had to turn the light on up? Inside. Oh, There's no lights up on the top. Okay, <laughs> there you well, go. Where you crawl down? He's like, well, there's a little bee. And you go down the beach. <laughs> 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 okay. I go, find the light bulb. <laughs> <laughs> All right, there's one example. What's another? example so they can think about Yeah, good, thank you. A person quit their job and didn't do it. There were sales reps working for a company, and when they were asked to go in very dangerous neighborhoods in the Baltimore area... To, to meet and one guy went in and it was a robbery and for the third or fourth time and he felt not safe in those neighborhoods for his job great example great example two, two good examples right there okay that helps give you some real life so, so what biblical principles are going to help you inform now I'm, I'm saying for you as teenagers now um, one principle was involving your parents honor your father and mother could call and get their input that's one but that's only one there's more there's more what else? So, trust, trust in the Lord with all your heart, and don't lean on your don't lean on your own understanding, but acknowledge Him all your ways. Uh huh. So, what is that? How how would that guide you in this situation? What would you look, glean from that? I'm not saying would that tell you yes or no, because I don't think it does. But what do you? What would that help you do in this situation? You better pray. You should, that, that would tell you. Wisdom would say, you know, you should pray. You should ask your parents. You should pray because God knows he can direct your path. He knows what's right and what's wrong, so pray. All right, good. What else? What else, what else, what else, what else? Does the Bible say anything about authority? What's the Bible say about authority? Authority. Okay, so there's some sense that the Bible calls you to be submissive to those in authority above you. So you could say, hmm, let me add that to the thing too. Here's my boss. He's telling me to do something. I'm not sure it's right to do. But there's some sense that the Bible talks about authority and being submissive in some sense to authority. There's also the honor of your father and mother. There's also the idea of prayer. So you're starting to get an idea. Because somebody could say, you know what, if you're a Christian, the Bible tells you better listen to your boss. You've got you to gotta obey your boss, so you have to go do this. You could hear that, but you want to you wanna bring a full Bible understanding into your life. That's why I'm encouraging you to get to know this book so it helps provide godly wisdom to you. Who else? Andrew, you got a hand up, in then Aaron? Um, your body is a temple. Your body's a temple, so what does that tell you? That's great, thank you. What? Yeah, it tells you that, that, that your life, your body's an important thing. Don't just kind of go throwing yourself into dangerous situations for no reason. So you better be careful. That tells you something. So you're stacking up all this wisdom together. Erin, what were you going to say? But, like, I think it also depends like, if you're watching a Christian or not. Because it's like and you know the boss has, like, your best interest in mind, like, it also depends, like, on the relationship with the person. Because mm-hmm. I think if you, like, would be like, hey, you know, I'm not so sure about this, and if it's, like, a reasonable person, uh-huh. then, like, you might be able to have a discussion. There's just like, like, psycho... <laughs> psycho boss? <laughs> yeah, like, and you know there's a little bit out there, like, I think I could help, like, freedom... Okay. All right. So I think, I think one of the things I hear you saying that I think would be, would be Bible wisdom there would be, you know, you can, in a humble, kind, and godly way, you can make an appeal... You could sit down with your boss and say, Boss, I, I, my desire is to do what you say. When I was hired here, I, I, have, I have the general sense that I'm supposed to listen to you. I'm supposed to do what you say, and I'm willing to do that. However, I'm concerned about this. Here's why. So you could make a godly appeal, right? Could, uh, that's different than saying, Hey, no way I'm doing that. I'm not calling on a stupid beam. Who are you talking about? <laughs> that's a different and, and what you're doing is you're letting God inform how you're going to act because because you know that God is teaching you to be humble. You know that God is teaching you to make appeals wisely and kindly. What else? Anything else the, the Bible might have to say about this decision? Well, kind of like what happened when and Rack, Shag, and Betty. <laughs> Too many Veggie Tales in your life, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Yeah. Those guys. <laughs> yeah, I can't think of the character. <laughs> <life. laughs> Listen, boss, I watched the Veggie Tales, and this is what I saw. <laughs> <laughs> "I'm not balancing no bunny." <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Danielle, I got y'all flustered. Um, no, you just like stand up for what you believe in. Yes. And so you have to like kind of weigh beyond. Yeah, the Bible things talks things. about godly courage too, does it not? And not just kind of cowering to everything people tell you to do. So there's a right time to stand up and say, No, I won't do that. But how do you know if this is the time or not? Sing a song. <laughs> Sing a song. I know you all know it. <laughs> um, there's other things like God's sovereignty what does that say the fact that God is in control he rules on high and, and he is in control of all things what does that have to say to this there's also the, the principle of, of being foolish what does that have to say to this Andrew I'm just as safe in my dad as I am on the battlefield. <laughs> I think that was Stonewall Jackson, wasn't it? Was it? Okay. Yeah, yeah. One of those guys, yeah. Guy and uh so that can really apply to this sort situation. Yes, he his his thought was what? Go ahead, I'm sorry, I interrupted you. Because God and has he's controlling every bullet that's on the field, so he's doing where to go and if he wants me to survive another day, then he's not gonna let me know this Yeah. Yeah, so there's that thought that enters in to your thinking as well. And and we could go on and on. There's probably a hundred other things that eventually, if you thought about you could think of. Here's what I'm trying to tell you. I'm not going to tell you, because I don't think I can tell you what the right answer to that situation is. But what I can tell you is God is very interested in that decision and a hundred others that you're going to make in your teenage years, and a thousand others that you're going to make in your life. And what he wants to do is he wants to train you and teach you to get to know who he is through his word, so that who he is and his wisdom can guide you throughout your life. Um, I went to Mitchell's band concert this week, and the cool thing about a band concert is that there's a lot of different instruments. If I would have gone to his band concert and only the oboes would have played... You know, Nothing against the oboes. The oboes are great in the band. But I don't want to sit there probably and just listen to oboes all night, nor do I want to go there and just listen to the trumpets all night. I want, the, the, the neat thing about a band is all of them are playing. Sometimes one plays quietly. Sometimes one plays loud. Sometimes they all play together. Sometimes one has a little solo. And what makes it beautiful is all of it happening, all of it in concert at the right times, at the right places, with the right emphases. That's what wisdom is. Wisdom is saying God has lots to say. God is sovereign. God talks about foolishness. God talks about obeying your employer. God talks about honoring your parents. God talks about your body being a temple of the Lord. God has lots to say. Well, let me distill all that. Let me hear all of God's wisdom and let that guide me into the decisions that I'm going to make. Many people will will make wrecks out of their lives because they won't... Look at God's wisdom. They'll just make rash decisions, and they'll 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 just decide things that they think are best. And God is saying, No, I want to guide you. I have a good plan for what job you should take. I have a good plan for what college you should go to, or whether you should go to college, or whether you're going to go to work, or whether you're going to stay at home, or whether you're going to get married. What you're going to do, God's saying, I've got a good plan. Will you listen? Will you seek me? Will you will you seek wisdom in my words? Let me just give you a couple things before we close about how to become wise. They're on your sheet. How are you going to become a wise person? Again, you can't do it tonight. It doesn't happen overnight. But you can start on a process of becoming wise tonight. Number one, see the difficult situations that you're involved in as God-given opportunities to grow in wisdom. When your boss asks you to do something dangerous, don't be like, oh man, this stinks. is my rotten luck. Everything works out horribly for me. Instead, say, no, this is an opportunity I have to understand more about God's wisdom. Seek God's wisdom. When, when you don't know what to do about a job or college or whom to marry, seek God's wisdom. Don't think of it as a rotten thing. Think of it as an opportunity to grow in wisdom. Number two, ask the question, is this a clear... <coughs> Bible boundary issue, does God speak clearly on the issue, or is this a wisdom issue? Because they're, they're two very different things. If God says, do not steal, and you go into the store with your friends, and you begin to pray, God, would you have me steal today or not? There's a lot of pressure on me, God. I know normally you don't like stealing, but you know, there's a lot of pressure on I me. Mean, I do kind of need this gum over here. Should I steal or not? Then you're barking up the wrong tree. You're mixing up what's a wisdom issue and what's a conviction issue. So figure that out first. And then, number three, resist the temptation just to make a quick decision just to get it done with. You do sometimes have to make quick decisions. But where you have time, seek God and His wisdom. Don't just make an impulsive thought. I would say, number four, particularly in your teenage years, do something that... um, that is going to be resisted by every bone in your body at times. Seek the input of your parents. Most of you have parents who who know more about God's Word, maybe, than you do, who have a desire to help you, who... um who have walked through life longer than you have and there's wisdom that's gained over those years and they can be a a serious means of God's grace in your life that if you push that aside what you're doing is you're pushing aside God's wisdom He wants to bring you help through your parents and then particularly as you get older seek other trusted counselors in your life Um, and be careful who you pick because if you invite the counsel of people who don't know anything about God's wisdom you're just inviting trouble into your life But if, as you grow, you see people who are following God, who are wise, who are making good decisions themselves, and then you say, okay, that's the kind of person I want to ask for their input into this decision. Last thing I want to say tonight is this. You have, in your life, you've had conviction opportunities where there were clear boundary issues, and you did the wrong thing. You just plain old failed. You plain old knew it was wrong and you did it anyway and you blew it. And I have those things in my life too. I have a lot of them. Times when we have known what God says and we just have plain old because of peer pressure, because of fear of man, because of our own sinful wants and desires for whatever reason we've said it doesn't matter what God says I'm doing it anyway. I'm going for it. I'm thinking about it. I'm clicking on it. I'm watching it. I'm taking it. Whatever it is I'm going for it. And maybe you're aware of those things tonight. The purpose tonight in talking about this is not to make you um, look at your life and say, Man, I've blown it a million times. The purpose of tonight is to help you prepare for the future. However, when you look back at your life and know places that you've blown it like that, that the Bible would call sin, what we sung about tonight is the fact that God, in His goodness, not only wants to guide you, but He wants to forgive you for your sins. He has provided a way for all the times that you've messed up to be covered over, to be forgiven. And that's by the fact that Jesus Christ, His Son, He went to the cross. And He took all the times you messed up and all your sins upon Himself on the cross so that if you trust Him, if you ask for His forgiveness and you put your faith in Him, He'll forgive you for those things, He'll wash those away, and He'll start you on a new path. And so if you're aware of those times where you've messed up in areas of conviction, just ask Him for His forgiveness. Turn to Him. Same is true for wisdom issues. Maybe there are times where, maybe it isn't a clear right and wrong, but you just, you've rejected other people's input. You haven't decided to invite your parents into it. You haven't really sought what God has to say in the Bible about His decision. You just kind of made impulsive choices, and maybe they weren't the best choices. Maybe they weren't the most wise choices ever. The same is true there. You can turn to Christ. Say, Lord, forgive me for being rash with my decision. Forgive me for not involving my parents. Forgive me for not caring um, what your wisdom is in this situation. The Bible says, seek after wisdom like it's silver or gold. Well, a lot of times we don't. We, we, We look at God's wisdom like it's a paper airplane on the floor. It's not that important. God says, seek after it. And So if you haven't, where you haven't, turn to Him. Ask for His forgiveness. Ask Him to forgive you. And ask Him to set you on a new path. And He is happy to do that. Let's pray. Dear God, thank You so much that You love us enough to give us clear direction in Your Word. And Lord, I pray that You would make these young people and us older people in this room men and women of conviction. Lord, that we would know what Your Bible says and that we would be committed in our hearts to following You. Lord, I pray that we would be bold in the face of persecution, we'd be bold in the face of people laughing at us and that we could, we could be able to be bold because we know who you are. Lord, I also pray that you'd make all of us in this room people of wisdom, that we would seek out uh, your wisdom like, like it's silver or gold. Let us, let us treat your wisdom um, for the beauty that it is. And Lord, I pray that you would guard us from foolish, wrong decisions that will hurt us that will harm us, and it won't bring you glory. God, I pray also, lastly, for anyone who is just very aware of, of uh, things that they've done wrong, sins that they've committed, decisions that they've made that have been outside of your wisdom. Lord, I pray that your um, grace would reign supreme, and they would know your forgiveness. So, Lord, I pray that you'd help us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.